Good morning. If you're listening to the radio or if you're listening to a podcast and it happens to be morning, good good midday, good afternoon, good evening. If you're listening to the podcast, perhaps another time of the day. This is the Faith Debate uh, on the radio and uh, available on demand as well. On the radio at 930 WFMD each and every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And uh, there'll be a podcast through the WFMD.com website. Also uh, through my social media platforms. Primarily the easiest and best way probably is just to follow along on either Sermon Audio, SermonAudio.com, or at Odyssey.com. Those are the two main places that I try to put everything. And all the other places I put things, you can connect to it just going through the website that I uh, manage and host. It's my church's website, Household of Faith in Christ. HouseholdoffaithinChrist.com is the website. So again, I'm Troy Skinner, and joined again this week by David Forsey, another pastor in the area who uh, has a house church that is yet unnamed. And I don't think he's ever going to give a name to his church because I think he just likes making it difficult for me to introduce him every week without having a, a name for his church. I do. I, I feel like it uh, gives me more publicity, actually. More publicity. <laughs> more air time as I explain how the whole thing works. But uh, we, we started last week looking at the statement on Christian nationalism and the gospel, which um, the statement itself hasn't spurred a whole lot of debate. I mean, it has, but it, it hasn't sparked it. It's in response to a debate that's got sparked over a year ago now and is really just it, yeah, it's was, like a, I was going to ask wildfire. why so this this they started or you know the first draft and even the second draft here that we're going through uh May 2023 uh what was the what was the precursor do you think that uh so, gave, gave them reason to do this I'm sure there's a longer history on this than I'm aware but it first started to enter my field of vision um uh, at some point in 2022 Maybe the mm -hmm. first half of 2022, I started noticing uh, certain people on social media raising questions, making arguments, going back and forth, memeing each other to death, whatever, about questions related to uh, uh, the sovereignty of nations, Christian nations, theonomy, mm -hmm. those sorts of things that kind of turned into this Christian nationalist, Christian nationalism kind of discussion. And so it was gaining some momentum. And then... Um, I don't think it was written because of it, but boy, the timing worked out well. Stephen Wolf put out a book in the fall of 2022 called okay. uh, called Christian Nationalism, right? I, that, I think I think that's it. I think it's just called Christian yeah. Nationalism. Something like. And uh, did, did he define it well? And well, see, so yeah, so that's how this is. I think this is a helpful background. I'm not saying that Stephen Wolf is wrong. I'm saying that I can't tell for sure that Stephen Wolf is right. Okay. So. He wrote this tome. I mean, it's it's a book, boy. It's yeah. you know, it's many hundreds of pages long. It's a book, and it's a little academic. Uh, and he's making a case using a lot of political theory and a lot of history. And he's he, he's kind of connecting to the Bible, but he's not really making a he's not exegeting scripture, right? He's not grappling with scripture and applying it uh, to the present moment. Uh, he, he's he's a, he's making use of the Bible in in more broad brushstrokes than that. To be honest, I think that's been part of the problem because people have used his argument as the uh, kind of the pivot point for all discussion since that book came out. And so the book hasn't been as clear as it could be. And uh, this is going to sound mean-spirited. I'm just trying to be descriptive, you know, and if it's mean, I'm not mean to be mean. I'm just trying to be accurate in my description. Um, his book is a little longer than it could be. I think that Stephen's natural propensity is one that I share. I, I think that he can be a little long-winded. <laughs> and this comes out in his book. I think his book uh, could have been edited to be a little shorter, a little tighter, and not quite so long-winded. I think that would have been helpful. Um, but anyway, so it led to some 
dialogue about what is he really saying? What does he really mean? Yeah. And he and he used some language that I think was taken out of context and quoted on you know Twitter and that sort of thing that was unfair to him in his book. Sure, yeah. Uh, which is going to happen, I guess, unfortunately. And, <clears throat> and so then people who have podcast platforms and stuff, they invited him on to be a guest to explain himself. And so I've taken in a few of those, and I found them to be unhelpful. I found him to, again, be a little bit less clear than 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 hmm. than would really be good for the moment and a little long-winded so he's on a show for like you know an hour plus and uh being asked questions and when he could give an answer that might have been concise and helpful in like two or three minutes he rambles for five or six minutes and doesn't really say anything and that's that that's really sounds mean i'm not nothing to say anything but he's not moving the ball uh at a, at a very uh quick clip is and the, he leaves uh, a lot of room for some people to put their own opinions on top of his and say that's what he meant. And then he goes on and says, no, that's not what I meant. Well, why don't you clarify what you mean? And in this clarification, he's not clarifying enough. And it's just, it's created this brew. It's, you know, this, this stew of this brew or whatever. It's created a brouhaha. <laughs> you know, <and> all <laughs> these people. And the thing that really, and I, I'm not that passionate uh, uh, about this issue per se, uh, it's mostly, in my opinion, it's a political theory issue. Interesting. And I care, okay. and I care about po politics, and I'm interested in politics, yeah. and and it connects to history. And I do care about history, but all those things are secondary and tertiary issues. What I care most about is what does God's word say? How do I better, better understand those words on those pages? Like yeah. that's my heartbeat. That's what I'm really caring about. Anything that's not doing that in a more direct, overt way is going to be a, not uninteresting but a little less important for me to make time for, okay? So I'm open to Stephen Wolf's argument. I think he makes some interesting points if he's saying what I think he's saying <laughs> and if he's saying what other people think he's saying. Uh, but I think he maybe makes some dangerous points if he's saying what his detractors say that he's saying, which he might not be saying, but if he is, I'm not so sure. And so anyway, people have decided to set up camp. It's really weird. And what's been frustrating to me, and you and I were talking about this off air, if you go back a few years, and it started more than a few years ago, but it didn't really catch fire until just a few years ago in the you know, the COVID era, if you will. Uh, I, the, I, I think that stimulated a lot of people's interest in how does the government operate? What is the right thing for the government exactly, to do Exactly, because of what the government was doing with what regards are, what are to— What the spheres of authority yeah, that it and actually then the, has? Yeah, and, the, and then the riots that were in the street that summer in 2020 and the, the government's action or inaction and some of that was raising a lot of these kinds of questions. And some people were putting— you know, we're, we're, we're putting a fine line on it, like pointing hit one of those guns with little laser lights, you know, and, and the laser light was on the right spot. They're saying, hey, part of what's going on here is <laughs> the problem with uh, with what, defining that hasn't been a lack of clarity of, of what we're talking about, but it's been a, a, a lack of one umbrella term. So sometimes it's called ethnic Gnosticism. Sometimes it's called critical race theory. Sometimes mm. it's called social justice theology. Sometimes it's called uh, a manifestation of, of neo-Marxism. Sometimes it's liberation theology, you know, and you throw into the mix intersectionality and all the, you know, standpoint epistemology and all the other things. This, this, this cocktail that this stands for this, this leftist theological thing that was another gospel. It's what the Apostle Paul would call another gospel salvation through works and works defined as modern-day heresy, uh, modern-day uh, 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 Pharisees would put it. They make up their own traditions, their own rules, and right. say, you yeah. need to live up to this man-made standard in order to find your salvation, if you will. It's a false gospel. It's, a, it's the enemy of the true gospel. And so people identified that were in the minority, 
culturally speaking, and even within the church, sadly, uh, what's what the visible church, the institutional church. Um, but there became some trusted voices. And some of those guys were at the G3. Some of those guys were, you know, connected to John MacArthur's uh, Grace to You Ministries. Some of those guys were, were independent people like John Harris on YouTube, wrote a couple of books, and A.D. Robles on, on social media and YouTube and stuff. And when they get a following, they become trusted voices. Some other guys, too, become trusted voices. Uh, Edwin Ramirez, uh, I'm mentioning people that I know, people in, in most cases that I'm mentioning. A lot of these names now are, are friends of mine at some level or, or good acquaintances. Let's put it that way, friend. You're a friend. I know you. I see you a lot. You're sure. a friend. You're more than an acquaintance. These are people I've met them, I've talked to them, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about here. So I don't want, I'm not trying to name drop. I'm just saying these guys are good guys. And some of the guys, um, you know, uh, some of the G3 guys, uh, uh, Josh Bice, uh, Owen Strand, uh, Virgil Walker, uh, those guys were great on the social justice question and other issues. I mean, really solid. And then guys like A.D. Robles and, you know, John Harris or Edwin Ramirez or whoever. uh, great on these questions. Uh, Michael O'Fallon with Sovereign Nations and his ministry. Uh, great. Uh, uh, James White with uh, with Alpha and Omega. Great on social justice issues. Right. And they're Call, all, calling out yeah. uh, a, a gospel issue. And they're all on the same team, right? They're all identifying the wolves, you know, putting them in their sights, pulling the trigger. Like, we got we to gotta shoot the wolves, man. We got to protect the sheep. Good, good on them. So they, 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 they circled the wagons, protected the gospel. And then... The Stephen Wolf book came out, and it feels like that triggered. It might not be the thing, but from my understanding of looking at this from a 30,000-foot view, it feels like that was the, the hinge point where things pivoted, and all of a sudden, all the people who had circled the wagons shooting at the wolves, they maintained their circular position, and they turned around, and they started shooting at each other. It's a circular firing squad, and the, it's, 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 it, it, it's enemy fire. I mean, it's um, a friendly fire. We're killing each other with, with friendly fire. It's been so heartbreaking. And I've tried to talk to some of these guys, and they're so firm in their position. Like, well, that guy offended me with what he said on social media, so there's just no forgiveness, basically, becomes the attitude. And I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and I'm not going to apologize for it. It's like, but he's your brother in Christ. Come on, man. And so I'm feeling like if something like the statement on Christian nationalism would bring clarity into the discussion, then the focus could become more about the words that are on the page of this as opposed to the random statements that are put on Twitter or, or whatever. Twitter's the main place where the fighting takes place, sadly. It's, sure. You know, um, and I've heard stories where, you know, I mean, I have really high regard for some of these guys. Some of them I do know personally, and they're on the edge of being people I would call more than just good acquaintances. They're on the edge of me saying, you know what, that's a friend. Good people, good hearts. They love Jesus. They love uh, the people of God. They, they love the people in their country. They love their neighbor. They're good people. Their heart's beating the right way. And yet they disagree about how these terms about Christian nationalism should be defined, understood, whether the term should be used at all, all these sorts of things. And if these good guys would have a dialogue, they could then be tone setters for a whole bunch of other people who maybe uh, aren't as mature in their walk and working out their, their faith and growing in their sanctification. They, they would benefit from that. And these guys are unable, unwilling, whatever, to have the conversation. It's just, it's mind-numbingly stupid that they won't have the conversation. And I'm concerned that it's just, it's basically guilt by association. Like, you're a really good guy, David, but you know me. 
some people don't like me. I'm not going to talk to David. He's friends with Troy. He's on that Faith Debate show with him all the time. Why would I want to talk to David? He's with that that knucklehead Troy, right? There's that guilt by association. But yeah. no, don't hold it against David because he knows me. If, if you feel like David's got a heartbeat for the Lord, for biblical truth, have the conversation with him in spite of me. But that's not happening in these uh, Twitter wars or uh, X wars or whatever you're supposed to call them now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really... It's really unfortunate. It's a it's a sad, sad state of affairs. And I was really hoping that this statement I didn't think this this Christian nationalist statement was gonna solve it. I'm not naive. But I was hoping it would be helpful. And I don't think it has. I, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily caused any more problems, but it's been a missed opportunity. It's been a swing and a miss yeah. largely, in my opinion. So I'm not opposed to this statement. I'm just a little disappointed and slightly discouraged that it didn't actually move the ball. You know, now it's uh it was first and ten from the twenty, now it's second and ten from the twenty. Like we just lost it down. No damage done, really, but nothing positive happened. It's just it's mm. been a non-starter. It's gone nowhere. Yeah, it so, seems to me. So, uh, using the the circling the wagons analogy, <laughs> yeah. is um, you think that uh, that there are, are that many different positions around the outside, uh, or and, and and maybe just yeah, there St- are Stephen Wolf's book sort of brought up a either sort of like a I don't know. Acted as a lightning rod to say, "All right, you for or against this," but then realizing that there's many iterations. Yeah, there are a variety of views, and this has been one of the things I've been working on with people that I do have more direct, personal, you know, touching the flesh kind of interaction with, who are you know hot to trot on these questions, is try to get them to understand. Look, your understanding and view on this is not the only one that exists. And trying to get them off of that position is oftentimes hard, like because no, they're in a bubble, right? They're listening to the same one, two, three, four, five guys who have podcasts or write articles or have a strong web, you know, internet social media presence or something, and they're just getting fed from those from that tribe over and over, and they're like, well, that's the only way to look at this issue. Now, in fairness, maybe it'll prove that it's the only right way to look at the issue, but that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point is it's not the only way to look at the issue. Would you just look at all the fighting that's taking place? And it's rooted very, very strongly in theonomy and the very stripes of theonomy. There's not just one theonomic position. There's not. There are multitudes of positions even on theonomy. Are you, are you a hardcore theonomist? You know, like, like a legalist almost theonomist. Are you a... Are you a general equity theonomist? Are you a kind of middle of the road theonomist? Are you theonomy light? There's at least four or five. And if you want to see how those threads get pulled together, I would encourage you to listen to the Faith Debate show uh, shows. We did a handful of shows that aired, I want to say, in the spring of, I don't know the exact dates off the top of my head, but I think they were in the spring or early summer of 2023. You can find those shows. We did four or five shows. It was with me. Educate me briefly, Troy. What's the, what's the difference between Christian nationalism and theonomy? Well, theonomy is talking about um, uh, theo, God, right. nominee. The root word there is, is nomos, law. So it's about God's law. Okay. So it's about how you apply God's law. So that's a, so for the listener, I'm not. I'm sure you yeah. know what it means, but for the listener, you know, we throw out a word like that. We probably should define it, help them define it. So it's it's rooted in uh, in the Latin, I guess, and, and what those root words mean. So you have theonomy is talking about how to apply God's law. Okay. So there are the the guys on the more. Uh, uh, more more exacting, more stringent uh, part of the spectrum that are going to say, we need to take the law as we find it in the Old Testament, 
you know, the Torah, the books of Moses, the Pentateuch, right, the first five books of the Bible, we take the law that we find in, in Deuteronomy, for example, and basically make that the Constitution of the United States. In fact, every country should make that their constitution. We should apply the law as it was written uh, to and for Israel those thousands of years ago right. and apply it today in a very direct manner. Hardcore. Hardcore. And then, and there's an argument for that. I reject it. But I, underst- I think I understand their argument. I respect it. I think that they're missing a few big pieces of how to understand the Bible. But anyway, yeah. but that said, that's one position. Then there's a no, no, no. We basically agree with that. However, we do understand that there are some cultural differences between then and now. So we should not exactly take the Old Testament language and make it a constitution, but we should basically take the old language okay. from the Old Testament and and apply it as our, with, with some slight modifications. So that would be a, a half step in a different different direction. So with you and I know, Daniel Rasby fits into that category, by the way, based on the shows that we had yeah. uh, earlier this year. So. Uh, so if you want to get that position well articulated, Daniel does a good job advocating for his position on that. Then you've got guys that are more like, well, I think there's general so – go to the other end of things. There's the general principles that we find in the uh, – just want to make sure my, my computer's flashing a message. I want to make sure it's not messing up the recording. I think we're good. And the other end of the spectrum – well, on the far, far end that's off the spectrum really would be none of that applies at all. Anarchy should reign. But nobody who's a theonomist is in support of anarchy, okay? So that would be like right. probably a, a far— A, th- uh, a theonomist is going to say that we, we need to take—what what are the biblical principles of right, so you have mor- the th- morality, so you have and the we th- need to apply that to society? So you have the, th- that's, that's, the, that's, that's the umbrella. That's the theonomy light, folks. They're going to say there are general principles that we find in Scripture, and right. those general principles should inform how we write our laws today. So it's not as exacting. It, it's okay. very, very ge- general, generic— um, and maybe not as helpful as it could be, although I say that I, I probably fit closer to that category than any other one. So I'm not sure that my position on this is all that helpful necessarily in the moment that we're in now anyway. And then there's the one that I'm beginning to gravitate towards is somewhere in the middle. Uh, somebody like a Vern Poitras, I would recommend reading stuff that Vern has written, uh, is, is pretty helpful in this regard. In my view, he's begun to help me shape my thinking a little bit, my biblical understanding. He would argue, people like him would argue that the hardcore theonomists aren't wrong other than the fact that ancient Israel doesn't exist anymore. So we need to, we need to take that into account and then take the laws and see how they apply now, given that we in America, for instance, are not ancient Israel. So we want to be like ancient Israel insofar as it's appropriate for us to be like ancient Israel. But in the ways in which we're not like ancient Israel, we need to make some changes because that was a once in uh, that was a unique situation in history. That was a one time only okay. thing. There's there's one ancient Israel, right? <laughs> right. That never to be repeated. That's it. And so we got I think that there's value in thinking about. This. So that's at least what I just mentioned, three, four, five different ways of thinking about theonomy. Yeah. So now the question is, those theonomy principles how do we apply how do they apply to the christian nationalism question well some people hear christian nationalism and they hear middle 20th century central europe language 
they're hearing the kinds of language that, that Hitler used with Nazi Germany. Okay. And so they don't like the language. It's loaded language. It's pejorative language. It's unhelpful language. It's okay. sending exactly the wrong message. We don't want to use this kind of language. And others are saying, well, we should be allowed to use language. It's not our fault that some knucklehead in central <laughs> Germany right. 70 years ago, you know, kind of screwed up what, that, what those words are supposed to mean. Uh, I'm sensitive to that. I think that we need to win the language wars, and I think we need to fight to defend the words that are uh, the the need to be defended. But I don't think we need to be wasting our time and energy on words that don't need to be defended. We need to defend biblical understandings, biblical words and labels. I, I don't think we need to get, get hung up on on labeling when it's merely semantics. I'm, I'm willing to right. sacrifice semantics unless it's a biblical concept that's at at root. So. Some some people think uh, when they hear Christian nationalism, they think uh, the 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 Pope is a higher authority than all presidents and prime ministers. Right, and that's some of the language in the Twitter wars, right, or the right. X wars, if you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, you're just asking for a Protestant Pope, and they're saying no, that's not what we're saying at all. But without me even bringing it up, you went there, so it's the kind of thing people think of. Yeah, and so people get mad at them for thinking of it. But why? It's the kind of thing people think of. So you need to clarify your language, clarify your definitions. It's not their fault that you haven't been clear enough to keep them from making that leap. Right. So again, you know, and then there are people that aren't religious at all. They're not biblical at all. And you've got the, you know, the literal skinheads, like actual white supremacists. And if you want to know what, that they exist and you want proof that they exist, just open a Gab account. Gab is a good social media platform as far as freedom of speech. And there's some good stuff there on occasion, but I got to, it's a free for all. <laughs> And you get the best and the worst on mm. Gab. And those idiots are there. I mean, they exist. And so they'll call themselves Christian nationalists. When they, when they mean. Or they might call themselves nationalists, not necessarily Christian, although some of them will call themselves Christian nationalists too because anybody can call themselves a Christian, right? Who's to say if they're a Christian or not? Well, the Bible says. But if we're not going to use the Bible as our standard, then anybody can call themselves a Christian. A lot of them do. Yeah. So you got a bunch of. You know, white supremacist skinheads out there calling themselves Christian nationalists. And so people who are, like, concerned about that say, well, Christian nationalism, if that's what it is, I don't like it. And then you got people on the Stephen Wolf side that, well, that's not what we're saying. But you're using some of the same language. Okay, but that's guilt by association. Yeah, but still using some of the same language. It's not clarifying. It's a real problem. And so that's why, with all of that background now, when this statement comes out, I'm like, okay, this isn't going to solve the problem. But at least it'll center the discussion. Like we all point to this. Let's argue about the articles. You know, let's spend the next month arguing about article one of the Christian nationalist statement. Let's do that on Twitter. But it didn't happen. And I think it didn't happen because these guys, one, maybe they're not as clear in their own thinking as they think they are. That's possible. Yeah, could be. I think also perhaps they're a little bit more concerned about the environment than they would even care to admit. So I think they hedged a little bit. I think there were times when they pulled their punches. Okay. You know, they, they checked their swing. You know, but sadly, they checked their swing and made contact anyway, and so they ended up hitting a dribbler back to the mound, to use a sports analogy. <laughs> you, know, they, you know, they didn't swing for the fences. They, they tried to hold up, and they still made contact, but not really in a helpful way. I think that happens recurringly. That's not to say it's a total garbage. There's some good stuff here. I mean, we said last show how many times we agree. Oh, that's amen. Hallelujah. I agree with that. That's good. That's good. That's good. But it's not quite clear enough in this part. And the point that they get to where it's not clear enough is the point where it needs to be clear. All the things that are so good that we're saying amen, hallelujah to, everybody who's a Christian, an actual Christian, <laughs> agrees with that. Yeah. But there's points of discontent. There's areas of disagreement. That's where we need clarity, and that's where the statement just doesn't quite land its punches. Do you, do you think some of it's to give uh, give wiggle room to, to time and place application of Christian nationalism? 
maybe we'll maybe, maybe that'll become more clear as we go through the statement. Yeah, that that could be what they're talking about. Um, and it might be them trying to uh, address the issue that this has become a significantly American debate in a lot of ways. Right. They're trying to say it's not only an American debate. And so I kind of want to give them that that out, except you'll see when we get later into the, the uh, statement, <laughs> they, they kind of rob themselves of that out. Okay. Probably by accident, right? So I don't know. I think what's that old cliche? If you try to be all things to all people, you end up being... Uh, nothing to anyone, right? Yep. Something like that. Yeah, that's just. I, I think that's kind of what's happened here. I think they're trying so hard to be inclusive to everybody who's involved in this debate that they, that they ended up not really moving the needle. Okay. Sadly, tent too big. Yeah, tent. Yeah, tent too big. So anyway, well, that's the whole show. <laughs> good. But that's 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 been good, I think, to provide a context. So now next week we'll actually get into Article Three. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll, we'll and that'll give you the listeners some context if you've heard this. And a lot of people who listen to the podcast listen to them in sequence. So it'll be really helpful for you to listen to them all in a row. This will be a nice little thing. So anyway, David Forsey, I'm Troy Skinner. Thanks for listening. Follow us online at householdoffaithinchrist.com and wfmd.com. Till next week, God bless. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com.